Well, I'm really excited about bringing Mike Ferguson up. You know, most all of us know him very, very well. And again, I appreciate Mike so much because he, like Brad, really has this honest heart. You know, he's, he's willing to self-examine. You know, the guy that's not willing to self-examine is dangerous, you know. And so I really appreciate Mike. He really invests himself in, in the lessons that he brings. And the first time he came out and spoke, I gave him a really, really vile lesson. I mean, you know, you could just hear him cringe. I don't think there was Facebook back then or this stuff. You could hear him cringe on the phone. There was a moment of pause and silence. You want me to preach against cell phones and how vile they can be if not used? How screen time is addictive? You're asking me to, yeah, yes, okay. <laughs> that was a rough one. I gave him a rough one last year, but I was nice to him this year. So I really appreciate this guy. He's going to step into it. He's going to bring a great message. So let's listen very carefully. Take good note if you do that kind of thing. And, and uh, make sure you're investing in the time to make sure this guy's preaching it straight. I know he will. And then we need to apply it after he's done. Let's bring him up. Mike Ferguson. All the way from Dallas, Texas. Morning. 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 All right. That's weird, man. I'm going to be smiling at myself on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to be here. And uh, pardon me for a second while I get organized. I'm probably breaking some Toastmaster rules in there. But I'm uneducated in that regard. So I can do that with a clean conscience. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. An opportunity to, to address you guys. I'm thankful for this fire right here. Uh, it's stayed in the firebox. We're keeping you warm. That's good. Um, man, what a, what a beautiful setting. Uh, to, to be able to, to look out and see God's creation. And understand that God's a whole lot more interested about what's inside this building than outside of that building as far as the physical creation. So don't ever lose sight of those things. Enjoy the things that God created, but understand those things are temporary. The beautiful things that God has created are the new creatures in Christ Jesus. That is where he has placed all of his glory. Amen. And so important for us to remember that as we go forward. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I'm running off script right now, so my time has not officially started yet. So we're on time out right now. Okay, Proverbs 3, 5. Okay. All right, thanks, Bill. He's my timekeeper. Uh, actually, Proverbs 3, I want to start at verse 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God, man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. I want to start with this today. I love Proverbs chapter 3. It's probably one of my... One of my many favorite passages, I think as you do this more and more, you find out you've monikered many passages as your favorite passage, so I just group them together. But I love this. Do not let kindness and truth lead you. We're going to talk about a journey today that we get to go on as we walk in the Lord, and I'm going to impress upon us the importance of us being kind as we do that. Uh, I don't know about you guys, I can get focused, Right? And I can tell you that, that when I get really focused on something, and maybe there's particular challenges that I didn't anticipate, kindness sometimes becomes an afterthought. And I praise the Lord that I have a wife sometimes that reminds me to be kind. I, she even helps me out. We've got a particular situation we've got to deal with on Monday. 
that's going to be a challenge due to logistics. And she reminded me last night to be kind on Monday. So thank you uh, to my wife for that. <laughs> trust the Lord with all your heart. We've been talking about trust. Uh, this is my assigned topic. If it's anybody else's, I apologize. I don't mean to step on your toes. I'm on a timeout right now. So I wasn't really part of my message. Uh, but man, how important that is. Okay, time in. Okay, now we're talking about the message. Trust in the Lord. Important stuff. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 35. We're going to talk about the journey today, and the title of my message is Walking on the Highway of Holiness, and let me tell you how I came up with that. Bill called me and said, what's the title of your message? I would tell you that historically in Williston, David Renner has titled almost every one of my messages because I'm like, hey man, put whatever title you want on that, because I am not creative in that regard. I don't think about I think a whole lot more about the message, what I'm trying to say, than the title of it. So really, Bill, this was the first verse that I had in my iPhone and my notes was Isaiah 35. And so that's how we got this title, Walk on the Highway of Holiness. When you see that title, it's probably not going to go the way you think it is. So just be open to where we take this and what we talk about today. Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 1. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the Arabah, and the scorched land will become a pool. And the thirsty ground, springs of water, and the haunts of jackals its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes, and a highway will be there. A roadway, and it will be called the Highway of Holiness, the unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joy, joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Let's pray. Lord, you are our King, our God. We give you all glory and honor and praise. Lord, we, we thank you that we have been blessed to be called your people. That we have the opportunity to walk in your way. To not lean on our own understanding, but trust fully in you. Lord, you are the one who goes before. You are a rear God, the one that covers us with your hand. Lord, I pray that, that as, we, as we journey through this life, that we head into eternity, that we'll glorify your name, that we will positively impact those around us for you, that, that we will be builders, not those that tear down. Lord, we thank you that we get to follow in the example and the footsteps of Christ our King, as he was one that built up the greatest kingdom in the history of all eternity. It's in his awesome name we pray. Amen. <laughs> I've had the opportunity um, through this relocation process to travel. 
And here's what I can tell you. When you travel on, on tight timelines, um, man, it's not as romantic as it may seem. I've been on 15 days or 15 planes in the last 21 days. And every time that you are going to make any kind of connection or anything, there's a potential for things to go wrong. And, uh, man, we, we faced some, some tight timelines. Man, I've had to run through the Denver airport. Um, and the cool thing was, is, is my plane coming in was late. Somehow we haven't figured out that we have to de-ice planes in the north of this country. But it adds additional time that was unscheduled. Now I run through there, and the very cool part about it is as I was running, my phone keeps going off, and they keep moving my gate that I'm going to further away <laughs> as I go. And so, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trucking, and I can tell you this, man, it, it reminded me of the importance for me to get back on my workout routine, which I started the Monday after, because um, <laughs> that's how we do things, right? We get those reminders, respond accordingly. Um, and, I, and I make it up to the gate, and I mean, I'm, I'm huffing and puffing because I'm packing this backpack and, and we're going. And I get up to the gate and I'm like, there's a bunch of people in the gate area, which is a good sign. That means that the plane hasn't left yet. They haven't even started unloading the plane that I'm going to get on yet. I'm like, well, that would have been nice to know. <laughs> Man, there's a journey of life that we're going to go on and it's going to come up with different obstacles and opportunities along the way for us to show the character of Christ as we get to go through that. Um, it's going to have its challenges, but it's going to have its blessings to go through. And those things are actually to help us grow. Like say, I, I have reaped the benefits of that run through the airport as I've started exercising a little bit. I would, my time would be much better this week than it was a couple weeks ago when I had to run through there uh, due to the benefit of that training. Um, man, where are we at? Where's our mind at when we think about this thing? Are we, do we have purposeful Christianity in our walk or do we have accidental Christianity in our walk? Let me define that for a second. What I mean by that is, are we being purposeful and intentional in the journey that we are on or we decided that we were going to obey Christ and we're just kind of bouncing around like a ball in a ping pong machine hoping to not get dropped out the bottom and make it to heaven? How's that journey look for us? Are, are we intentional? Are we purposeful in what we're doing? Are we embracing that journey? I, uh, I like to read, um, and I'm, a, um, I'm subject to suggestion in my reading. And so I was listening to a podcast. This guy came on. I kind of liked a little bit what he had to say. So I ordered a book, and it suggested another book. I was like, two for one. I mean, it really wasn't two for one. It was two for two, but it was one click. And I, so I bought it. And, and this, uh, this is a book that was written called The, the Ride of Our Lives. And it was a guy that, that uh, him and his wife and their 15-month-old son were moving from Tacoma, Washington to Pennsylvania. And they decided, this is 1983, they decided when they were going to move that they were going to bike from Tacoma, Washington to Pennsylvania in 1983. Now, I don't remember much about 1983, but evidently in the United States of America, there was a lot of bicycling going on at that point, okay? Because he tells about some of that in the journey. Well, don't worry, we're not going to read the whole book. <laughs> I do want to read a couple things to you. I did read it. It was an interesting read. It was more for dessert than it was for a lot of information, but I did get some good things out of it. <laughs> at the humble kitchen table, plans are hatched. 
and important life decisions made. Homes are mortgaged, insurance policies purchased, and weddings planned there. The kitchen table is remarkable. That was another little time out. We'll time back in a second. Spend time at your kitchen table with your families. Amen. Can't encourage that enough. Man, I'll tell you, when I was reading this, I, I was in my hotel, away from my family as we're transitioning this right now. Man, I, I was mindful when I thought about those kitchen table conversations. When you and your family are in the living room with the TV trays or whatever version of it you have today, you're not even looking at each other, much less carrying on conversation. That's right. Sit at the table. You know, and, and maybe maybe put the put the devices face down, lift those faces up, look in each other's faces, smile at them. Right? Build, build that guy. I, I thought you were a little crazy the first time you led songs to you, by the way. It's like, this guy's, can you smile just at me? Uh, man, smile and shine in their face. Okay, time back in. All right. He talked a little bit about the transformation that they underwent through this journey. It says, by any standard, our cross-country bicycle adventure was transformational for Bertie and Bertie's his wife. The experience took us out of our comfort zone. We entered the adventure with our entire minds, bodies, and souls. We faced uncertainty and accepted risk. We had to think clearly and make multiple decisions daily that affected our well-being and Stephen's safety. Stephen is their son, 15 months old when they started, 18 months old when they finished. We may maintain positive attitudes even in the face of adversity. Bertie and I pushed through physical pain and illness throughout our time on the road. The weather and topography added to the physical strain. Our experiences throughout the course of our trip affected us deeply on an emotional level. We had to face feelings about ourselves and about each other, and there was no place to run. The people we encountered and the scenery we saw added to our emotional experience. We placed our faith in a power greater than ourselves, and a higher power never let us down. The physical, emotional, and spiritual experiences were powerful, our journey created memories that have lasted us a lifetime, and we were blessed that our son Stephen accounted for many of those memories. We learned lessons and gained confidence. The adventure took place while we were in our formative years as a family, and we grew stronger. Yes, this cross-country bicycle adventure was a transformational experience. Do you think that the pathway that we're on to heaven has intention by God for it to affect us in that same manner? That we invest in it with our entire bodies, minds, and souls. That, that, that we get transformed and changed in all aspects, almost unrecognizable at the completion of that journey from when we start. I'm not talking about a bicycle trip here. Because there was a destination they had in mind three months down the road. What's the destination that we have in mind? Eternity in the presence of the Lord our God, and fellowship with the throng, the faithful. Man, what a, what a great picture that is. Turn to Psalm chapter 25, please. By the way, reading through that book, it was pretty cool. The experiences that they chronicled that were the most impact, impactful on them had everything to do with their interactions with other people and almost nothing to do with the scenery that they encountered. If you're in this thing to look at the, the scenery of this physical earth, you are missing the boat. Yep. 
The beautiful things that you're going to come across in your life are the souls. That's the beautiful thing. Christ didn't die for the trees, man. He died for those living trees that get planted by the stream of life. <clears throat> Psalm 25. Verse 1. To thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in thee I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for thee will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. For thee I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy compassion and thy loving kindness. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to thy loving kindness, remember thou me. For thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. To those who keep his covenant and his testimonies, for thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. This is my passage that I was assigned, and uh, Bill uh, gave me the, the challenge to teach about waiting on the Lord, walking on the Lord's paths, and lifting up our souls to trust in the Lord. I want to really key in on trust because I think all those things are bound up inside of that trust. I'm going to try to work, work that in as we go along here. Some of you may recognize this, this passage of scripture from a song. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul? That's as far as you get. I don't do solos. <laughs> right? Then it goes on, right? Yea, let none that way. On thee be ashamed, right? Remember not the sins of my youth. That, that's right here. Psalm, Psalms 25 is where that song comes from. Yep. Man, hopefully for you, as, as you read this, those songs go through your mind. You think about, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not thine enemies triumph over me. That's how the song has that in there. You can see that in this psalm here. The trust that comes in the Lord. Walking in his paths. And being patient and waiting on the Lord. You know, timing is interesting in life. We were visiting last night. I don't remember all who was there. We were talking a little bit. I just made a remark. I said, if you wait for the perfect time, it'll never happen. Because man's perfect time doesn't line up with the timeline of God. I... My wife and I got married, and, and I had a plan. That plan was in about five years, we were going to have children. And uh, at that time, I'd have my house paid for. We were going to move back to Montana, and I was going to pay cash for a house and never be in debt for a house. My son was three years old when we moved to Montana. And it wasn't quite five years down the road. You know, the plans, I wouldn't trade that for nothing, looking back on it. Here's what I can tell you. God knew what he was doing. How the plans of man go. Man, waiting on the Lord's timing is really important. <clears throat> Don't get all hung up on man's timing. Stephen Covey wrote a book, uh, one of his leadership books called The Speed of Trust. And the, the tagline, the secondary title of that book, 
is the one thing that changes everything. Talking about trust. And that's really, I appreciate the theme of that because that trust is important. Trust in God. You know, Brad asked a great question there, you know, and one that we should self-examine ourselves in. Do we really trust God? That he's able to perform what he has promised. Do we trust him? We're going to take a little walk today. We're going to journey through some things. You guys have heard me say this before. You'll hear me say it again. The Old Testament is the pictures of what things look like in the New Testament. Man, you want to see the illustrations of the principles that God wants us to understand. He gives us that in the physical nation of Israel. So we're going to take a walk through that. Let's go to Exodus chapter 13. We're not going to spend a ton of time. I'm going to, I'm going to cruise through these. I want you to see some progression here. And what we're really taking a look at is the journey. And I'm going to call it from the Red Sea to the Jordan. I'm going to call it coming out of the world and getting to the promised land. That's the journey that we're going to be talking about today and the importance of the trust as we walk in God's way on that journey and that we're patient on his timing as we go through that. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Jerusalem with him. For he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God shall surely take care of you and he shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth and Camden in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. For he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night. God's going to lead us day and night. That's the principle we can give for us. We're on the path with the Lord, and we trust Him, He's going to lead us day and night. Doesn't matter what time of day it is, God's always going to be there. Exodus 14, verse 10. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became very frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, it is, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So I'm going to pause for one second. I'll pick it up in a second. We're going to see this, and, and you know your history. You go through this stuff. The, the Israelite people had a problem. And the problem is, is they never put the old man to death. That old man that kept looking back to Egypt, they're barely out of Egypt. And what are they doing? The tiniest little hardship in front of them that God's going to take care of, and they can't see it as anything as insurmountable and they immediately do what? Look back to their former manner of life. <clears throat> Moving on. Verse 13. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. By the way, if you ever wonder why Moses makes the Hall of Fame, in Hebrews chapter 11, this is a faith statement right here that Moses had. Do you hear that? 
Do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today, for the Egyptians that you have seen today. You will never see them again, forever. That's a statement of faith that Moses, because he knows that if God says, I'm going to deliver these people out of there and I'm going to take them to the promised land, that's as good as done. That's a statement of faith that he has right there. Man, you take a look at it. We got Moses. We're going to talk about him a little bit later on. Just him. We're going to key in on the end of this as we take this journey just on Moses. Moses was a faithful man. and He believed that God would do what God said he was going to do. Moses wasn't chosen by God out of accident. Moses was chosen by God because Moses had faith. Important distinction there. Lord's going to fight for you while you keep silent. What, what did the Israelites do to deliver themselves from Egypt? Right? They got their pants on, right? Their belt. They made some bread without yeast. Cooked food in the right way. Splashed a little blood around. Complained a little bit throughout the whole process. Took everything from their neighbors and left. That was their participation. What did God do? Everything else. Everything else took care of it from pillar to post. God handled it, took care of it, delivered them from there. Man, they're up against the Red Sea. Same chapter, verse 19. And the angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood between them. Talk about the Israelites and the Egyptians. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was a cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. That is a rear guard. He said, look, man, we ain't ready to go into the Red Sea yet, but I got you. They are not going to bother you until it is time for my hand to deliver you. And that protection of the Lord, he is their rear guard also. <clears throat> Same chapter, verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God delivered on his time. Did God have to bring that Egyptian army out into the wilderness? Did he have to bring them right up to the edge of the Red Sea and stop there? Did he have to wait overnight? Or could he have wiped them out right then and there? Man, it's well within his power, right? What happened on, you know, much later on in Israelite history? Well, angel Lord comes down, wipes out 185,000 Assyrians in one night. Wasn't even tired. You think he could have handled the armies of Egypt? Man, that place was a... <clears throat> I like Steve Doty. That place was a smoking hole behind them, right? Man, Egypt was decimated when they left. How hard would it have been to just take care of their army? Like firstborn and anybody that has a sword. We can do that, right? What do you wait for? Because the time of the Lord, you understand this is very significant, that the power that was represented there was the Egyptian army. And the Egyptian army was sent out to take those people and bring them back into slavery. <clears throat> Think about this. The Egyptian army is representative of sin. And Egypt is the world. 
And that sin is what is to pull people into the world. And what happened in the overwhelming flood of the Red Sea? What got put to death? Sin. The Egyptian army, representative of sin, was put to death in the flood of the Red Sea. And when was it going to be seen again? By the words of Moses in a statement of faith? You're never going to see these things again. That's actually God's plan. Is his timing perfect when we understand what was happening? Would that have had the same impact if it had happened in the land of Egypt on the same night that the firstborn was put to death? Yeah. Not even close. Because later on, what are we going to try to replicate in our lives? But guess what we got? We got this amazing picture of salvation by the Lord in the waters, the overwhelming flood of immersion in the Red Sea. By the way, each one of you in Christ have, has gone through the Red Sea. Amen. Hence the beginning of our journey, the Red Sea. <clears throat> Exodus 15. Verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Merah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statue and a regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. They leave the Red Sea. Guess what happens? They're thirsty. Three days. You know, so, sometimes God's going to give us the opportunity to show whether we have faith in God and whether we're patient to wait on his timeline or whether we're a product of our society where we want it right now. I actually think one of the gravest disservices that's been done to people is the instant availability we have to almost anything today. Yep. It's a huge disservice in many ways. I'm moving to Dallas, Texas. You know what happens in Dallas, Texas? And some of you live in big areas as family. Do you guys know that Amazon delivers in town in Dallas, Texas? Same day. I have Amazon Prime in Williston. It doesn't mean same day. It means when you get it. <laughs> but we got so used to what? Whatever we want. When? Right now. What? What is one of the, the biggest cries in our world today with this? The influence of, of the coronavirus. I can't get some of the stuff I wanted to anymore. And furniture takes 18 months to get. Hey, when you were making your own furniture, how long did it take to get? Uh, I live in Williston. There's not any trees. <laughs> furniture is hard to come by, man. Right? If you've got to make it yourself. What I'm saying is, man, we've got to learn to be patient and wait on the Lord's time. And we can get so much in a culture of instantly having things that we do not allow the Lord the opportunity to work as he needs to. I want you to logically process this for a second, okay? Logically go with me. If God went through all the trouble of bringing them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, do you really think he's going to let them die of thirst three days later after the Red Sea? <laughs> no way. doesn't make any sense. What's he giving them an opportunity to do? Be patient. Walk in the path of the Lord. 
wait on his timing, trust in the Lord. Like, I mean, can you imagine the conversation? Like, I would hope that there were some in Israel who were like, maybe God's got a plan on this thing. Just maybe, because I don't know why he'd go through all the trouble just so we could die out here. We'll keep going. Exodus 16, verse 35. And the sons of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. 40 years. Anybody ever think about the Lord's Prayer? Right? What it's commonly called, right? Give us this day our daily bread. 40 years. Man in the wilderness. Showed up. What 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 the Israelites do to get that manna? What sowing and reaping happened to get that manna? God provided it miraculously for forty years. I mean, there are some instructions, right? Day six, you're going to get some extras. So day seven, you're not going to get any. Took a couple of weeks for people to figure that out, right? <laughs> but what happened? Man, the provision was there for 40 years. 40 years. You know something else interesting? Yeah, we'd have to go to Deuteronomy 29, verse 5. We won't go there right now. You can check it on your own. You know what happened? Their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. 40 years. God provided Miraculously. Because there wasn't a coals anywhere along the way. God took care of it, right? Man, the trust of the Lord that was there. 40 years. And you guys with young kids, man, trust me. You wish that we were on a 40-year program with your kids <laughs> on clothes and shoes. Exodus chapter 17. Verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel, Rephim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hands up that Israel prevailed, and when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one side and on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Why? Why did Moses have to keep his hands up in the air in order for them to win? Because God said. That, that's, that's what happened. C could they come and just wipe them out right away? Yep. Could, could God have made that happen? Sure could have. Man, we've actually seen times you take a look in Israelite history. God actually has the enemy fight the enemy themselves. They don't even know they're fighting themselves. They're fighting themselves and killing each other. And they're all just standing around watching it. Right? He could have done the same thing here. Why didn't he? Because they needed to learn to trust in God. Because understand, they just came up out of Egypt. They came through the Red Sea. And they're facing their first opposition. And God says, you've got to trust in me. You've got to be patient. You've got to walk on my path. It's going to be on my time. Here, here's a little side lesson for us. Hey, you're going to have to learn to adapt a little bit and improvise as you go along this thing. God's going to give you the battle plan, right? The overall picture. Figure out how it's going to work. Well, when you read this thing, it doesn't have uh, book, chapter, and verse. 
how to teach someone to be saved, chapter 1, verse 1, and continue. You've got to put some stuff together and work through that, and you're going to learn through it. Adapt with the people that you're with. Don't, don't forsake on what the truth of Scripture is, but be aware. I'm going to tell you this, my Bible study, the people I walk in the house, the first thing I'm doing is scanning the room. I'm learning the lay of the land. I'm going to know what kind of car they drive. I'm going to understand if there's football or basketball or anything. And every example I'm going to use, I'm going to tailor to what I see in their house or what they're wearing or how I observe them so I can make it applicable to them. Yes. So some guy in there, and he's got a you know a, an Oregon Ducks duck on the wall. I don't know, green and yellow. I can't keep up with who's who. I'm not a college guy. I'm gonna do my very best to tie an example to that. I'm gonna try and know something about him. And I can promise you this: next week when I come, I'm gonna know something about him because I'm gonna tie into it. Man, adapt. Moses sitting there. Hey, guess what? Did he get a little help? Did God allow him a little help? He didn't say, Moses, you gotta do that all by yourself. Well, those hands were heavy, right? He was kind of an old man. Right? 80 plus? Right? Holding his hands up, right? Anybody, you guys hold your hands up all day long? I mean, I know we joke around, we're like, I did it all day. He didn't do it all day. He had to hold his hands up all day long, right? Some people helped him. Job get done? Yep. They wait on the Lord? Yep. Trust in the Lord? Yep. Patient? Yep. God has a plan that he's working these people. Why is he, why do we have these examples? Because sometimes it's not going to happen exactly how you think it's going to happen. Because when you're drawing up battle plans, like I'm pretty sure MacArthur in World War II didn't sit down and be like, you know what? I think if I hold my hands up all day long, we'll beat them. <laughs> what do you guys think? Like, yeah, sounds good to us. I'll, we'll, you know, under generals, like, sure, sounds good. That's not how you would do that. They'd be like, you're crazy. What does that have to do with anything? Because who won the battle? It was God's battle for his people. And he allowed them to share in the victory of so they would gain confidence and grow in that confidence in the Lord and continue to trust in him. That's why Moses had to have his hands up in the air all day long. Not because Moses needed to build shoulder strength but so the people would trust in what God said. When they came up against something that sounded a little bit weird, like you gotta go into the water to die, to live, that they would have faith that God was able to do what he said he was gonna do. That he could perform it and make it happen. That's why these things are in there, so that we can trust God. When it sounds a little weird in the, in the scope of the world that we live around us, like that's odd that that's how that thing would happen. That's why Moses had to have his hands up in the air all day long. So people would trust God. He can do it his way and make it happen. Trust him when he says do this. Super important stuff. So what do they do? They go up to the promised land, bounce off that thing, right? Spend the next 40 years wandering. You know why they bounced off the promised land? I said it earlier. Because they hadn't put the old man to death. Hadn't put him to death. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness so the old man could be put to death. Do you know what one characteristic was common all throughout all of their wanderings in the wilderness? Every time something happened, they looked back to Egypt. That's why they had to die. By the way, we're on this same journey. And the old man's got to die. 
Because if the old man doesn't die, when things get hard, he's going to look to the solutions of Egypt, the world, rather than trust in the Lord. Got to die. That old man has got to be put to death. You know, I was thinking about this, that a lesson we take away from this is that God will deliver. And through his delivery, he establishes trust with his people and with us that he can do that. The speed of trust, there are several parts of the book, but one of it talks about the 13 behaviors of trust. I'm just going to read through them. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it, but you, you, as I read through them, I want you to think about it. I want you to see if God did these things first or most of them first. Talk straight. Demonstrate respect. Create transparency. Right wrongs. Show loyalty. Deliver results. Get better. Confront reality. Clarify expectations. Practice accountability. Listen first. Keep commitments. And extend trust. Oh, it's a pretty good list. You take a look at it, man. Did, did God do it? Did God talk straight with them? You're going to do this, you're going to die. That, that's pretty much as straight as you can get. Huh? Did he demonstrate respect for him? I actually will tell you this, that God, he demonstrated respect by allowing them continually to make their own choices. He did. They, they were allowed to make their own choices. I was uh, visiting with my son, and, and when you're a preacher and you have kids, your kids get to be the objects, sometimes examples. So my son's about 19 years old. And uh, he was getting ready to do something. I said, hey, Luke, can I give you some advice on that? He said, no. I was like, well, that's not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> He's 19 years old. I am smack dab in the middle of a crossroads right here because I knew that my advice was relevant and should be taken. But I also knew this, and this was most important, is that he needed respect as a man. And if I asked him, which I've never done since, if he wants advice, I just provide it. But so we learned our lessons too. Right? But I asked him, I said, if you, do you want some advice on it? He said, no. What was my job? Show him respect, right? And in showing respect, you know what I did? I built trust with him. Man, these things aren't by accident. Take the opportunities and learn from some of these things. God builds that trust with us by showing us respect, allowing us to make our own decisions. God's worthy of our trust. You guys know that the word faithful pretty accurately describes someone who's worthy of trust. That's right. right? Does the scripture ever talk about God being faithful? Yep. Like a lot of times? Why do we take this journey, this walk, through how he dealt with the nation of Israel as they're coming out of Egypt? What, what do we see consistently? God delivers. He's faithful. Takes care of it. Did he understand their daily needs? Yep. They got wonder bread for 40 years. Right? 40 years. Did, did he miss a day? Nope. Faithful deliverance by God. See, trust, God has earned that from us. 
I, I could, we could go into a whole bunch of different stuff. I, I think guys are probably going to talk about some of that stuff. I, I probably already stepped on some other people's stuff. I apologize. Psalms 121. Verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Man, what a cool picture that is. Man, we talked about he's the rear guard. He goes before him, covers him. David said that last night, right? Man, where else could God be to help the Israelites instead of before them, behind them, around them, over them, in them? Man, he's faithful. He's consistent in those things. Man, he's that rear guard. Oh, and by the way, how long is he going to do it for? Forever. Not forever like how Americans say forever, right? I'd wait forever. You didn't wait forever. You waited a few minutes. It felt like forever because you used to instant gratification. It wasn't actually that long. I'm one of those guys. By the way, the boarding of airplanes has to be one of the most inefficient things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I actually had a guy tell me, no joke, tell me that, that they've done studies and to do it randomly is more efficient. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Some study. First Peter chapter 2. Which is interesting. On one of my flights, I sat next to a flight attendant. It was commuting for work. And she said the easiest time that they had loading planes ever in the entire 25 years she's worked in the airline industry was when COVID was at its highest. And they had to load the planes from the back to the front. She, they obviously didn't talk, the two of them. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God, and you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who's God's people? We are holy nation, right? By the way, in Acts chapter 1, I think it's about verse 6, the apostles asked Jesus a question right before he ascends. And they asked him, Lord, is at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to America? I mean, Israel. <laughs> Don't kid yourself for one second that the gospel can only go out if America remains free. Don't kid yourself for one second. We got some peace time. And it's diminishing. Utilize that time, but don't kid yourself for one second. The gospel went to the entire world when Rome, with emperors, controlled the world. Yep. Don't kid yourself for one second about that. Okay, time back in. I forgot to call time out there. Sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 34. You got 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That's going to be tough. If you were looking at what I'm looking at. Deuteronomy 34. Moses. I want to talk about Moses here, right? 
Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was, was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. So the sons of Israel left for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, and the days of weeping and mourning for Moab came, Moses came to an end. By the way, that's how I want to go out. Vigor not abated. Man, what an awesome, awesome picture there. Moses didn't get to see the, didn't get to enter the promised land. He got to see it from a distance, right? You guys know the story. You're not, you're not familiar. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. All these faithful people in the Old Testament, right? Verse 39, or verse 38. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, which literally is the promise. Did not receive the promise, because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. By the way, Moses entered the promised land with Jesus in the new covenant. He got to see it from afar in the physical world. He entered spiritually with Jesus under the new covenant. Entered into the promised land. A man of faith. Believing that God said, you're going to go into the promised land. He didn't get to do it in the flesh. He got to do it spiritually for all of eternity. Man, what a picture that is. Sometimes... Chapter breaks do us a disservice. In my Bible, Hebrews 11 ends at the bottom of one page, and you have to turn the page to get to Hebrews 12. Anybody knows how Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 starts? Yes. Therefore. Yep. I'm no English major. In fact, I'm not even an English minor. Right? But that's a conjunctive adverb. I had to look that up. I knew it was a conjunctive something. Right? Therefore, what's it doing? It's a linking of thoughts, right? I apologize to you people who are more serious about your English. I'm hard on English all the way around. Uh, it's a linking of thoughts, right? The therefore, it's, it's joining those things together. And if it's an adverb, it's actually a linking of some actions and things that go with it. I mean, there's verb, there's things that tie it with faith. I think faith has anything to do with that. Receiving that promise, all that stuff wrapped up into it. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Therefore, we have a great cloud of witnesses. Do you know who one of those great cloud of witnesses is? Moses. Do you think Moses is cheering you on? Yes, he is. Man, he is excited for what you're doing for the Lord. Man, this thing is coming together. How great a cloud of witnesses. We're blessed. We get to see some of this cloud of witnesses with our physical eyeballs. But what about those that have gone on before? You think they got a vested interest in you? Let's wrap her up, man. 
That's exciting stuff. Moses entered into the promised land by faith and is one of those faithful cloud of witnesses that's on your side. Which, by the way, in our world today, you can continually get asked whose side you're on. You want the answer? It's very simple. It, here you go. You're on the Lord's side. And if you answer every question with what side you're on, with you're on the Lord's side, they're going to stop asking you. Because you cannot answer some of the questions that you're being asked today any other way effectively than on the Lord's side. Be on the Lord's side. Thought of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 13. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Well, that's probably God, right? Yes. Okay. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You notice what this didn't say? It doesn't say come to the assembly and be like, what are you guys going to do for me today? Right. That's actually not what it says. It says the opposite. It says you consider how to stimulate someone else to love and good deeds and encourage one another. You ever hear somebody walk up and be like, well, that wasn't a very encouraging. Shame on you. That means you weren't being very encouraging. Shame on you. How do you say that, Bill? He waters himself, or he waters others, waters himself. Yeah. Right? Does that sound like, could you substitute encouraging there? Yes. Makes sense, doesn't it? Man, how are we supposed to approach the assembly of the saints? Yeah, Micah, he's kind of a jerk. Bill smiles when he sings for crying out loud. Is that how you can approach it? Or are you can approach it with like, how can I build the body? When I walk through the door, am I intentional? Do I have an intentional view of Christianity on this journey, or is it accidental? Accidental is just waiting for what's going to happen to me. Was, was God's plan taking the Israelites to the wilderness accidental or was it on purpose? On purpose. All right. We're really close. Okay. Many years ago, I had an assignment for a book called The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Many years ago. I had to dig way into the recesses. Like a long time ago. Like over three decades ago, I read that book. <laughs> you know what I realized when I went through the recesses? I need to read it again. That's more mature. Because when you understand some of the characters of this book, and, and, and feel free to correct me here, but I believe Christian is the main character. Is that right? Any you guys have read that recently? Unless there's some of you in this room that read it the same time I did about 30 years ago. Right? Uh, Christian, right? And he has some companions along the way, right? Faithful. Doesn't, doesn't Faithful get put to death? Doesn't he die? I think, I think he does, right? And another one, Hopeful. Is that right? Yeah. I think hope, Hopeful accompanies him all the way to the Celestial City. Is that correct? My, my, I think so. I think, yeah. I, I think so. I got a couple nods and a few like grimaces. And someone else read a while ago, too. Um, but, man, there's some things. You know, there's another guy along the way, right? Mr. Worldly Wisdom. Remember when Mr. Worldly Wisdom tried to get him to stay in the, the village of morale? Right? 
Ah, you just got to be a good guy. That's it. Man, and, and he almost got trapped there, if I remember right. Almost got stuck in the village of morality. That's an earthly focus. Not the journey to the celestial city. Guys, I'm telling you this. I, I, I appreciate morality. It's very important. But it's not the end. The celestial city is the end. Zion, right? Where God dwells is the end. The journey is real. We've got to continue on that journey all the way. Oh, by the way, yes, I understand the imagery with faithful and hopeful. I get it. But why don't you be faithful and hopeful for each other too? Amen. That's right. Man, how, how about being that person that's there no matter what? How about just having some hope in this world and sharing that hope with other people? Does the world need some hope right now? Anybody know what to believe about almost anything right now? that's going on in the world? Here's what I do know. Whatever comes on the news is a distraction from what's really going on. But I don't know what's really going on in some of it. How much hope can I spread there? Oh, by the way, there is this kingdom. Daniel chapter two talks about it, right? And there's this little statue, kind of a big statue, right? Head of gold, silver, all that stuff, right? The statue's not important to the story. What is important to the story? The kingdom that God made without hands, it's going to endure forever. It's not going to ever be given to anybody else. Remember the kingdom we're on. That's the journey to the kingdom that we're on. This life can be a distraction. I don't remember all of Pilgrim's Progress, but I know there was a lot more characters in there. And a lot of those guys were a lot more hurtful than they were helpful along the way See, there's something that happens to Christians that they go along the way and, and you know, it talks about it in, in the Gospels and Jesus tells the parable of the soils and there's a condition, you know, we'll number, right? The third soil. Remember that guy? He's doing pretty good. What happened to him? The deceitfulness of riches and the worries of this life choked him out. That's what happened to him. He actually had some roots in his faith. But what did he do? He didn't tend the garden. He took his eye off the kingdom that mattered. Maybe he got pulled into the village of morality and missed the bigger things. We're on this journey. Back to our book here, page 127 here. Sorry, I was teaching this class. I always get the page number. You guys don't care what page number's on. All right, title is Love. One of the lessons they learned was love. Take time to give thanks and do not be afraid to show love. Two of the most important words in the English language are thank you. Show gratitude for what people provide and for what our Creator has blessed us with. Use words of love. When you are proud of someone, let them know that. Let the ones you love know that you love them. Telling those you love that you love them and that you are proud of them is very powerful. Along with loving words, ensure you demonstrate loving deeds. Do nice things for people even when they do not ask you to. Three months on the road in a bicycle with a 15-month-old to an 18-month-old in the back of it. That's one of the lessons they learned about love. Say thank you. And tell people when you got the opportunity. Don't hold on to that. During the ride of our lives, we learn lessons. Transformations title this one. During the ride of our lives, we learn lessons about life, leadership, and love. And those lessons have lasted us a lifetime. 
We were out on the open road for three months, exposed to challenges such as uncertainty, strangers, mechanical breakdowns, health issues, cold heat, snow, rain, sun, hills, and wind. Our bicycle trip was a transformational experience. Through this transformational process, we became stronger as individuals and stronger as a family. It's family got right? We're in this thing together. Yes, we individually have our own faith that has to be there, but we can build on each other. You know, I think about this fireplace right behind me. Look at this collection of rocks behind me. They're different shapes, aren't they? Together, they make the whole. Amen. And you know what else they're doing? They're supporting each other. They're locked together to make that thing a rigid structure. Living stone. We all different shapes in here. Right? Speaking with spiritual eyes. Place in the body just as the spirit desires. So that we can do what? Accomplish the whole. Support each other. Build each other up. On this journey through life. Because guess what? We need each other. Does this fireplace need those individual rocks if it's going to stand? You start taking a few of them out. What happens? done, right? Crumbles, falls apart. And every stone is important and performs a necessary function. Right. And I'm not talking about a fireplace. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. Every living stone matters. If you took this pile of rocks and you took it down and threw it in a pile, they would seem insignificant. But they ain't in a pile. They're being built on the foundation of Christ and the, or the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And that's the picture of the church and the kingdom of God. That's the journey we're on. Robert Frost wrote a poem called The Road Not Taken. It closes out with this, this part of it. It says, Two roads diverge into the woods and I. I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. <clears throat> We're traveling on that highway of holiness, patiently waiting on the Lord and trusting in his guidance, trusting in him leading us, him being our rear guard, his covering, him being amongst us, and that we get to do that together. Godspeed, Christian. On to the celestial city and the journey's end. Thank you. Thank you.